0: Couple of, uh, couple of announcements this weekend. Uh, there will be a, um, a one day mission trip down to Decatur, uh, Alabama. And if you would like to, uh, if you'd like to be involved in that, if you'll see, um, Bruce Koble following the service, there's still room for you. So if you thought, man, I'd like to do one of these mission trips on these days, this won't cost you anything. They're providing the food. They're providing the materials. Uh, all you got to do is get down there and we'll we'll even see to it that you get a ride. So uh if you're interested, see Bruce today. And also on Saturday, if you don't go to Decatur, the Financial Peace University people are going to be doing a um, parking lot sale here. Uh, that does not mean that they're selling a parking lot. It means that they're selling stuff on a parking lot and um, it's mostly their stuff. And so if you... Um, uh, if you're available on Saturday, come by and check it out. See what, uh, see what they've got. We're starting a new series, actually a new mini-series today. And I say mini-series because the whole year's a series. The series is about living drenched and how to live drenched on an ongoing, continual basis. Uh, the, this mini-series in particular is going to focus on the Word. Would you stand with me and let's read the Word? Yes. <laughs> a passage from Psalm 19. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them is your servant warm. In keeping them, there is great reward. Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for the the power that's in it. I thank you for the reward that's in it. I thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit here today. I pray that you would uh, make us people of the word. Help us to hunger for the word, help us, Lord God, to uh, to not play games with the word, but to be serious about it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. The Bible is the world's most dangerous book. Um, dangerous on a, on a number of different levels. Uh, dangerous when it's misused or, or partially, selectively uh, quoted. Um, several things come to mind in that regard. Uh, there was a time when it was used to uh, uh, endorse slavery in this country, uh, selectively quoted, misused. Um, the Crusades, it was uh, used to promote those. Uh, that didn't exactly end up going very well, uh, ultimately. Um, in this country, once again, manifest destiny is... Um, Kind of used so we could drive people off their land and do things like that. So when it's used in that way, that's dangerous. When it's used in the right way, it's equally dangerous, only it's good dangerous. Uh, it's dangerous to the, uh, to the evil one. It's dangerous to the, uh, to the, to the rulers and controllers of this world because it, it it brings light and truth and freedom. It breaks bondages. It brings hope. And hope is uh, the second most powerful thing that exists. The most powerful thing is love. But the second most powerful thing is hope. Because when people got hope, they'll do something. Uh, when they all they have is despair, they get very complacent or compliant, I guess is better the word. So the Bible is a very dangerous book. But just because something is dangerous doesn't mean that it necessarily should be avoided. Uh, fire, fire is a dangerous thing. Uh, but at the same time, it can also be very useful. Water, it's a very dangerous thing. Uh, yet we're talking about living drenched, uh, which is a good idea. Uh, even livestock and certain vegetables can be dangerous. Broccoli is particularly dangerous. Uh, just, just wanted to make that known out there. Though not as dangerous as Brussels sprouts. Uh, and so all of these things can bring danger into the world, yet even more dangerous would be living in a world without them, because you couldn't, you simply would not be able to. Because the, the Bible, because the scriptures are so important, it's been the focus of learning and, and arts for the centuries. Um, in a, an, age, a, an age of general illiteracy, where most of the population was illiterate, there. Uh, pu- the public reading of the scriptures was extremely, extremely important. Now, I do the public reading of the scriptures because, uh, well, Paul instructed Timothy to do that. And to be very honest, I do it because I know that it's the only time some of you read the scriptures during the week. Uh, but he instructed Timothy to do it because people couldn't read. Or if they could read, they didn't have the, the resources, the finances to, to purchase something that expensive... And so people used to come to church very much because they were hungry to hear the word of God, and that was that was their only opportunity to actually get to do so. And the arts were used—stained um, glass and and um, sculptures and, and and paintings. Very often, I mean, obviously, art is art for its own sake, but oftentimes these were these were teaching instruments. Uh, the the people would, would look at the stained glass and they would go, that, that Christ rose from the dead. There were, there were soldiers at the tomb there. They couldn't hold him in. The Holy Spirit was present at the time and they would use these, these uh, illustrations as, as teaching moments. And then, uh, in the middle of the 15th century, Gutenberg came along, invented the, uh, movable, movable type printing press. And the Bible started to be available to regular people. And when that happened, the desire to be literate, to learn to read, skyrocketed. Uh, people all of a sudden were not content to just know how to milk their cow and how to um, um, plant their broccoli or whatever it was they were growing out there. Uh, but they, they, wanted, they wanted to learn. They wanted to be able to read because the Bible was now available. There's something they can do. It's a powerful thing. Did I mention that it can be dangerous and that it actually can loose things in this world? And though uh, it's written not in in our language, written uh, primarily in in Hebrew and Greek, the Old Testament's Hebrew with a little bit of Aramaic thrown in. New Testament was was written in Greek. Uh, And early on in, in the Christian age, it was only allowed to be translated into Latin. And many people suffered persecution and some, many died as martyrs so that the Bible could be translated into the languages of the people. Uh, a few examples, uh, there are many, but I'm only, I'll, I'll mention three. John Wycliffe is uh, probably someone that you've heard of. Uh, in, in the late 14th century, in the 1380s, he, uh, presented the first handwritten English translation of the Bible. Pretty good little job there. Uh, and while he was allowed to die in peace, 40 years after he died, uh, the church dug him up, crushed all of his bones to powder, and scattered them in the, in, in the river. Uh, John Huss was, uh, well, I would say Czechoslovakian. He probably didn't think of himself that way, but where Czechoslovakia is now... Um, he was one of the early reformers in the church who pushed for the people to be able to read the Bible in their own language. And, uh, and he, and for his trouble for doing that in 1415, he was, he was burned at the stake while still alive, which wasn't always the way they burn people at the stake, but, but they did for him. Uh, William uh, Tyndall, most of you, uh, most of you've heard of him, know who he is. He first published a printed english new testament uh his disciples later on uh finished the old testament and had the entire bible but uh, he he did the new testament he was imprisoned under horrible conditions placed in the dungeon for the last couple of years of his life and then he too was burned at the stake in 1536 yet yet for all of the effort and suffering required to bring us the Bible in our own language, we find ourselves in the twentieth, 21st century, actually, almost fully literate, awash in Bibles, most, many of them free. Everybody has access to a Bible, and we simply don't bother to read it. I was expecting a hearty amen out of that, and what I got was a grunt or two, uh, which really is what I was expecting. Yet for all of the, uh, God has given us his word. Thousands have suffered to give us the right and the freedom to be able to read it without having to learn a foreign language. Yet the 21st century average American Christian is prone to be as biblically illiterate as our forebearers who couldn't read the Bible, who didn't have the Bible. And this basically has happened in my lifetime. In my my lifetime. Often we don't even know the stories. Yeah. Jeremiah. Who was Jeremiah? Oh, yeah. Jeremiah. Jeremiah. He was uh, was the whale guy, wasn't he? I mean, he was the one who got swallowed by a whale. No. One of the elders came up to me after the first service and said, Jeremiah was a bullfrog. (laughs) In fact, he was a good friend of mine. Okay, <laughs> oh dear, why? why is it this way well there can be there can be little doubt that much of the reason is because we're so distracted, we're so busy, so lacking in consecration, so shallow in our in our faith that we simply aren't interested enough. consecration yeah. Uh, we, we sang a song earlier, do it again, do it again and do it again. But there is a thing in there where it says, consecrate yourselves to me and you'll see it. We go, oh, consecrate myself to God. That must mean I'm supposed to sing a song that says, do it again. No, there's a little more involved in it than that. But we don't tend to get that deep. So, instead of actually getting into the Word, instead of actually spending time with God that way, we, 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 we watch TV, we hear a snitch of uh, verses on some, on some, um, religious programming, uh, we see a, a, a Bible verse or a part of a Bible verse or something that kind of looks like a Bible verse on a, a friend's Facebook post, uh, we, we hear something from a sermon occasionally so that you know, we kind of know a scripture or two, and we pretend that that's actually getting in the Bible. We fill our lives with so much junk and, and, and busyness, and we claim we don't have time uh, to, to get into this. And then we wonder why our lives are unfulfilling and shallow and empty. Well, Jesus, in, Ma- in Matthew 4, 4, basically explained it. He said, man doesn't live on bread alone. Listen, every word that comes out of the mouth of God lives on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And, and that's the reason why other people don't read the Bible. I, I know that, uh, that most of you do read the Bible or, uh, or you don't read it for this reason. It's a big, daunting, it's a big old hairy book when you get right down to it. This thing has more than 200 pages in it. And it's got it's got all it's even got poetry for crying out loud in it, and so it... it yeah. But on the other hand, you know what we serve a big, daunting, more than two hundred pages kind of God. You know, I, this is this is the only living God, the the Ancient of Days, the Creator of heaven and earth, the the King, Immortal and Eternal, Invisible, the the only Wise God. And his book, his book might be a little more challenging than a 140 character tweet or even a harlequin romance. Now, I've never read a harlequin romance, (laughs) but I did Google harlequin romance images. And the first thing that came up was love in floppy shoes, a clown romance. Now, some of you are going to leave here today going, I want to read that Floppy Shoes book. <laughs> and to be honest, I'm kind of intrigued myself just a little bit. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be worth the 45 minutes it would take to read it. But, but not necessarily that big old book behind it. You know, some people are going to leave here today going, our preacher said that Jeremiah was swallowed by a whale. <laughs> Do whales eat frogs? I don't know. <laughs> there may be things that are hard to understand. There may be things that, are, that, that you have to work, that you have to dig to get into. But if we think it's worth it, we'll do it. And so some of us become doctors and some of us become teachers and some of us become engineers because it's rewarding and such people are needed. But on the other hand, sometimes we just kind of throw up our hands if it's not interesting enough. We didn't understand Lost, but we watched it. <laughs> you still don't know what it was about. And yet we bump into something that we don't understand in the Bible and throw up our hands and say, well, I tried. I tried to read it once. I, I, I just couldn't understand. There are things you can understand, I promise you. There's more in there you can understand than, than you don't understand. I'll tell you that. You might not like what you understand, but some of it you will like and, and you do need. So, all right. We need to read the Bible more. Help. How, what, how, how do, how, how do we do that? Well, help is on the way today. You're in the right place. I got, got four things that I want to tell you that hopefully will help you in Reading the Bible or deciding to read the Bible. And the first one is this. The Bible was never intended to be read in one sitting. The Bible is actually a library. 66 books written by at least 40 people. Uh, over a period of approximately 1,500 years, it, it wasn't something that you're supposed to sit down and plow through in one day. That's not the way it's supposed to go. In fact, Deuteronomy uh, 11... Verses 18 and 19 says this, fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads, teach them to your children, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Now don't get trapped in having in total literalism, okay? Um. When it says, you know, tie them around your your wrist and 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 put them around your head, there are people who do that, and there are people who did that. Some of them, I'm sure, love the word. Some of them just did it because, well, said, tie something around my head and tie something around my wrist. Now, who do you, who do you think that that God would be more pleased with? Someone who uh, ties things around their wrist and 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 around their head, ties the word of God there, and goes, I have now, I'm now righteous. Or someone who maybe doesn't have anything tied around them, but loves the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loves their neighbor as themselves. Well, that's the answer's B. It'd be, be that. It'd be that second group. Circumcision of the flesh is not what counts. Circumcision of the heart is what is what really matters. Now, having said that, if you get a smartwatch, put a Bible app on it. Tie it around your wrist, but I'm not telling you to do that. I'm just telling you. But that's there you go. technology meets Deuteronomy. <laughs> but here's what it's really saying. What it's really saying is, be intentional. It needs to be in your heart, it needs to be in your head. It needs to be in, in, in the work of your hands. The word needs to infuse all of those things. So be intentional about it if you if you leave here today going wow, i'm i'm fired up man i am i need to read the bible i'm gonna do it one of these days then you're not but if you leave here today going you know what i get up at uh i get up at six uh and i got that you know if instead of reading uh the newspaper or uh, checking my email during my morning coffee i got 15 minutes there I'll, i can start reading the bible do it for the rest of your life from now until until you until you go home to be with Jesus. Reading the Bible is not a sprint. It's not a marathon. It's a forever fun. And I put that up there because that is a word I have created. And if it ever catches on, I just want you to know where it started. But it's a forever. It says, "Okay, this is this is when you should be focusing on the word and and talking about the word when you're at home, when you're not at home, when you're sitting down and when you're standing up. The rest of the time you can do something else. But that's what that's what that passage says. So it's not it's not a uh, it's not something. And let me let me say this. Hopefully this will help. You're not reading the Bible to get information about the Bible. Don't read the Bible so you can pass the test. Read the Bible so you can hear from God. And so you can, so you can, so you can get to know God. You're not reading it to get information so you can quote scriptures to people. You're not getting it so you can, so you can answer questions in class. You're, you're, you're reading it because your presence is heaven to me. Your word is life to me. That's, that's why you read it. We, we tend to think that I mentioned this several years ago, but it was so annoying. I'll mention it again. I, I uh, back in uh, in the mid seventies, I bought my dad a Christmas present, and I bought him a I bought him a a ceramic chess piece. It stood about this high. Thing was beautiful, and uh, it was all colors, and and it kind of looked medieval. It was it was it was a gorgeous thing. and I was so excited, and my dad opened it up on Christmas morning, and he stood back and he looked at the thing. And he said, what does it do? And what I wanted to say is it can be used as a murder weapon. <laughs> and we think, okay, i got to read the Bible because i got to learn some stuff. No, you, 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 you want to read the Bible because you need to know somebody. Not just learn some stuff, but, but have a relationship with someone. The Lord God. So, that's one thing. Uh, Second thing, uh, get a translation that speaks to you. Um, Get a translation that speaks to you. Don't be bullied into thinking you've got to use one particular translation or another particular translation or anything like that. Uh, Get one that speaks to you. Now, why are translations different? We're we're of the notion that, you know, that pretty much in everything, if this is right, then that's got to be wrong. You know, if this is the translation, then this one can't be, uh, it's, it's far more nuanced than that. Uh, translations are that, na- human language is a dynamic thing for one thing. When I was a kid, when I, when I was a kid, uh, probably really until, up until about my late teens, uh, the word gay had no sexual connotations whatsoever. None. Now, it, today, it's the first thing you think about. But back then it didn't. When my parents were kids, the word cool had to do with atmospheric temperature. And it still kind of does, but it basically means, I like that. That's, that's, you know, that's, that's a neat, that's a neat thing there. Uh, I was neat uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> we use, we use love to cover, uh, at least four Greek words. Now there's at least, there's six or eight words that the Greeks use for love, depending on which Greek you're talking to, but four primary ones, storge, which is, uh, uh, paternal love, uh, eros, romantic love, philia, which is friendship kind of love, and agape, God's love, his, his unconditional love. And we use the word love to to cover all of those, so it really gets confusing once you start going between languages. First uh, Corinthians 13 uses the word love to cover God's agape love, unless you're reading the King James Bible, which uses what word? Charity. And when you hear the word charity, what do you think of? I don't know. Charity? You know, that's, that's charity. So language is, I'm not saying that to, you know, to slam the King James. I'm just saying language is dynamic. Uh, there, there are things going on with it all the time. And so translations are necessary. Which translation is, is best? Well, I'll tell you. I've got the answer to that. Uh, no, I, actually, I don't have the answer to that on that page. I'll tell you the answer later. Yeah, that's what happens when you use. I, did you do something to my clicker, Scott? Okay, just, <clears throat> just wonder. Uh, first of all, I want to also say about translations that there are two main theories of biblical translation, and this is why some passages are different. And these are the two theories, formal equivalence or dynamic equivalence. Those are the fancy words for it. And so if you want to learn some fancy terms, that's that. What it really means is word for word or thought for thought. And some go, well, the way to really translate from one language to another is you find this word and you find which word matches it the closest and you plug it in. Others will go, well, the best way to do it is go, what are they trying to say? And then let's say it that way. And when and when it comes to word for word or thought for thought, virtually every biblical translation is somewhere in between. This some some get over more to one side. The King James is fairly close to this side. Some get over here. Can anybody say the message Bible uh, is 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 over here. Uh, so that's what <clears throat> that's what uh, um, uh, the the um, the theories of biblical translation are. And the best translation now I'll tell you which one it is because I'm on that slide. The best translation is the one you will read. That's really that's really what it amounts to. Is the one you were reading now for myself, I, uh, I I love the NIV. I was I was brought up I was brought up with the King James, but when I came back to the Lord, the NIV was just being uh, was just being published, a New International Version, and it just you know it, it speaks to me. There are passages I love in the King James. There are passages I love in, in in the Message Bible, but the one that I really like to read the most is the NIV, which is really kind of here in the middle uh because for me uh i don't want the language to get in the way and there are times when i'm reading the king james that i go oh man that is so beautiful you know that i'm i'm really focusing on the language now i'm just talking about myself and, and then when it comes to the message uh, if i'm if i'm reading a whole lot of it I, I begin to realize uh eugene peterson you just took 150 words to say what i think god said in eight you yeah. know And so, you know, that, that kind of, I, I begin to focus on the words. And and to me, the one that speaks to me, the NIV just kind of gets out of the way and lets me hear from God. You may be different. Find out which one really speaks to you, which, which one, which one flows through you. And, and don't go, well, you know, I'm, I'm voting for the pastor. You're not voting for anybody. What you're doing is you're finding out how God speaks to you the best. That's what you need to do. Now, third thing that you need to do is get get yourself some help. Get help. And, and I'm not suggesting that you buy some commentaries. I, I, I They can be useful, but I rarely find them inspiring. And oftentimes I don't find them insightful. What I mean is you should ask questions. I was mentioning a few weeks ago about... Uh, the fact that I rarely hear people ask anymore, how can I know God's will in my life? Uh, I used to hear that question often, but I don't hear it very often anymore. I also rarely hear anybody ask anything about the Bible anymore. I, I rarely have somebody go, you know, hey, Pastor, do you know what this means? Or can you help me with this passage? Or can you explain this? And I wonder, is it because people just aren't reading it? Uh Phil Nelson was... The youth Pastor at the church, where I was attending when I came back to the lord in my uh, in my mid twenties i wasn't in youth group anymore but uh, and phil i love phil's teaching because phil's teaching I always felt like he taught me the right questions to bring to the scripture when I got to a passage that that was that's important uh, but he also had just a real just a real straightforward way about seeing things, and I remember going to him one time and going. Uh, Phil, I got a, I got a problem here, man. Uh, I was, I was reading in the, the Bible this week, and and I got to thinking about it and comparing. And over in Acts chapter seven, verse fourteen, when um, um, Stephen is testifying before the the Sanhedrin, he said, "After this, Joseph sent for his father Jacob and his whole family, seventy-five and all." Now, Joseph was in Egypt, and sent for Jacob to come to Egypt. But over in Genesis. It says all the persons of the house of Jacob who came into Egypt were 70. I'm going, doesn't that sound like a contradiction to you? I mean that that I've got to explain that to me. And uh you know there were several tax phil could have taken on that I've since come to learn, but he took the best one. He said, I've always thought the reason why Acts said that Stephen said that Jacob went down to Egypt with 75, is because Stephen said that Jacob went down to Egypt with 75. <coughs> and I thought, wow. Not, not, I mean, that actually makes the, the veracity of the Bible more real to me. Because this clearly isn't a book that somebody went through going, oops, we've well, we got to make that match this, and, and we've got to line this up with that. No. They just said, this is it this is this is what it was uh you're going to go through the bible if if you if you do and there're going to be things that uh there're going to be things that you don't understand and you might not understand the second time or the third to ask somebody uh, we're supposed to be talking about this people well, I mean when we, when we're at home and when we walk along the road when we sit down and when we when we stand up I mean we're supposed to actually be talking about the word I'm actually distressed by the lack of questions <coughs> concerning the scriptures because we don't ask questions about things we aren't interested in or things that we just simply don't know enough about to ask a question. You remember being in school, some of you are there now, you remember being in school and uh, the teacher gets up to discuss uh, the very boring book that you're going through at this point in time and uh, ask a question in the classroom about, uh, well, what did you think about the scene between Ben and Lenny? And everybody's, because everybody's kind of hoping somebody else read it. <laughs> you know that feeling? I get that a lot in talking about the Bible. Just saying. One last thing here. It's not actually the last thing, but it's fourth point. Engage the counselor. See, the there were over 40 people used to actually write down the scriptures, but... There was really only one that wrote it. 2 Peter one twenty one. For prophecy never had its origin in human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. And likewise, Jesus says to us in John 16.13, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. I don't know if you have a favorite author or not. People just don't read that much anymore. But if you've got a favorite author... What a kick it would be to sit down with that person and go, hey, look, When did you notice this in your book? Or can you tell me about this or what's going to happen next or what's going on? what What a wonderful thing to have the author there with you to talk about the book. You do. You do have him there with you. And so when you get ready to read the Bible, the most important thing you can do is go, Holy Spirit. I know that you've noticed, but I want you to know that I noticed that you noticed that I'm getting ready to read the Bible. Will you help me? Will you give me eyes to see? Will will you open my heart and give me some insight as I look here? Because he will. I will close with this. Why read the Bible? Well, a lot of us who are somewhat familiar with the Bible are definitely familiar with this verse. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, brightly dividing the word of truth. And I I certainly can't say anything against that verse. I mean, that's totally legitimate. However, this verse kind of freaks me out a little bit and probably kind of freaks a lot of people out a little bit. And it all has to do with that first word, study, which is not ever, it's never been one of my favorite words one of my favorite concepts you get right down to it uh and it, and it's kind of like you need to read the bible so you can so you can answer the questions so you can pass the test and okay uh but we do we do know that paul was writing to somebody who was charged with teaching and leading the church at this point Timothy, that was his specific job, and, and Paul said, you need to do that. Now, should other believers do that? Yes, they should, but that was a specific instruction for Timothy. Let me give you some other reasons to read the word, because it refreshes the soul. You ever go through a season in life where your soul's just dry, where it's just, it just doesn't, life just doesn't have its, it's zest It just doesn't have that, that ting anymore to it. Word of God refreshes the soul. It brings seasons of refreshing. It brings seasons of renewal into our lives as we spend time in it. Not only that, it makes wise the simple. You don't have to be a scholar to gain wisdom from the Word. The, the only real requirement, now nothing against scholars. Praise God for scholars. And, you know, I, I, that's, that's wonderful. But the only requirement in the word for gaining wisdom is that you just be simple. So that you just don't try to complicate it so much that you mess it up by the time it gets inside of you. But you're just simple and you let it speak to you. You let it move in your life and who doesn't need more wisdom not only does it refresh the soul and make wise the simple it gives joy to the heart everybody likes joy everybody needs joy joy makes life rich it makes life it makes life worth worth functioning in i mean it's like Watching Rhonda Frazier greet everybody on Sunday morning. Go, hi. You know, you just can't do that without, without joy. That's a woman who I know reads the word every day. And what you're getting, oh, yeah, Rhonda's wired kind of that way. You know, that, that's sort of her personality. But what you're really getting is the overflow of the joy of this woman's heart. as it comes out. Would you like to have a little overflow of joy? Uh, this, is, this, is what, this is what comes from reading the Word. Not only that, it gives light to the eyes. We tend to look at the world through the world's eyes. We, we look at the world through the world's filter. The, the, the Word will dispel the darkness, make the fog begin to clear, and you begin to see with clarity... In the light. When Jesus died on the cross through the world's filter on any level whatsoever, that was terrible. Through God's filter, that was victory because the world had just been redeemed. People had just, had just been away, made to God. And that's not the only thing. There, there are many things in this world that we look at. Look, watch the news. You will not be happy. Joy will not flood your soul. And you also won't learn much. You'll learn some facts, but you won't know what they mean. Read all the posts on Facebook. That won't bring you any joy. And it won't bring you much wisdom. Take that time and put it into the Word of God. And joy begins to flood your soul. You begin to see, you begin to see things for what they really are. The way God sees them. And the Word of God is more precious than gold, sweeter than honey from the honeycomb. No bad aftertaste. This is local honey. It'll even take care of your allergies. <laughs> it's better. This is why This is why we read the Word of God. Yeah, study to show yourself approved. But even if you're not much of a studier, all of these things will happen if you... Make room in your life, in this forever-thon, for the Word of God. And you know, what? I'm, not, I'm not talking, I don't care if you read it all the way through in one year, or if you read it all the way through in five years. Uh, read it. Read it all the way through, and read it every day. Fifteen minutes a day, once a week, uh, seven days a week, is, is, is more valuable than four hours a day, one day a week. Just telling you. Yeah, somebody said amen. But it's true. Can you give it 15 minutes a day? Can you make room in your life to do that? Can you go to that level of consecration? Because if you do, you'll begin to see things. He'll do it again. Would you stand with me? Oh, Yeah. We want to build our house out of straw or out of wood and get it done quick and and then see God. Come here, God. Bless this thing. God says, build me a brick house, will you? Take some time. Do it day by day, step by step. Let's have something. That <clears throat> Those who are going to uh, pray for people, they come forward at this point in time. And if you're here today and you, you need prayer for something, God is here. And He would like to move in your life. you know. uh, And you may go, well man, I just heard this sermon about being consecrated and doing this stuff and I hadn't been doing that, so I don't know if He'll do anything for me. Hey, ask. Ask. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Ask and it will be given to you. Ask. You don't need to come worship with us for a few moments. But if you do, Come on. given us the written word and given us the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us into it. May you hunger for that word. May you find satisfaction for your soul as you search the depths of it through Jesus Christ our Lord.